Hello, everyone, and welcome to That's a Dumb Rule podcast. I'm Ben. And I'm Greg. Greg, today we're carrying on with our Moments series, where we're going to be talking about famous sports and iconic moments throughout history that not only should every sports fan know, but it's just good history and good practice to have this in the back of your knowledge, Mm -hmm. because these are incredible moments that people know about and that are common talking points even today, even though today we're going to be talking about something that happened almost 30 years ago, if you can believe it, in 1992. Um but we're going to be talking about Duke versus Kentucky uh, in 1992. It's the March Madness bracket playoff tournament. I believe this was taking place during the Elite Eight, and it's a massive matchup. Duke had the number one seed. Kentucky had the number two seed. These were Blue Bloods. It was Coach K versus Patino. Wow. It had Jamal Mashburn versus Christian Leitner, the most hated man in America. <laughs> this is a hell of a game. But I wanted to ask what do you remember from this time right. and looking back on it what are some of your first thoughts about this so i i remember this game actually i watched this game um, really yes it was it was a great game um i think you're right it's one of the best ever in college basketball and i am not a big duke fan so <laughs> i don't think any of us are <laughs> uh, so it was it was yeah it was a good game i would say though that um the fact that this was the Elite Eight and not the Final Four is, and not the championship game, you know, kind of puts a little bit of a, a damper on it, I guess. But it was still. Really? Yeah, because it would have been, I mean, this would have been the greatest, like, final game, right? I mean. Oh, that's fair. You know, I get that. But this was still a great game. And keep in mind that uh, this was the East Regional. So both of yeah. them, you know, Duke certainly is, that's their backyard, right? They're in the East. Yeah. And then Kentucky's not far away. So. Not only was this number one versus number two, two teams that I mean, other than Duke, North Carolina, this Duke and Kentucky do not like each other, which makes for a great game. Um, it was it was a, just a really good game going on um, the whole time. It was just fantastic. So why don't you kind of lead us through the first half and what that was all about? <laughs> because I remember a lot of part of this game and the fact that it went back and forth so much. Yeah. It's not like so, some team got out to a 20 point lead and they, and the other team chipped away at it. It was, it was from the, from the get go. It was just high paced, watch out, hold on to your hats. <laughs> it definitely was. I've seen this game probably around seven or eight times okay. all the way through. Yeah. Um, it's on my rotation of boy, am I a nerdy basketball guy? I need to watch a game. <laughs> um, but I, I think before I even start the first half, there's some things that just need to be said um, because some folks that know this game or maybe they don't know this game just need a refresher because I think the overall points help kind of tell the story of why this game is so revered. One, uh, this is most probably well-known as the shot game, not just the Leitner game or the greatest game of all time, but this is the infamous shot where Grant Hill throws the ball halfway over the court – or. Yep what is it three-fourths of the way down the court just a heave yep, Leitner at at 611 he's their center at this point um 611 235 reaches up catches it there's about 2.1 seconds left on the clock lands fakes pivots moves the other way and shoots and knocks the shot down no seconds left on the clock Kentucky steals it after Kentucky or excuse me after Duke steals it after Kentucky thought they had beaten duke everyone hated duke and (laughs) duke is the repeating title favorite they had won the year before 
and they had Christian Leitner, who was hated. Absolutely, was. like, drooling at the mouth, yes. snarl at him. You didn't like him. And he's the guy that hits the shot. Now, Ugh. to make this game worse, it's the one seed versus the two seed. Duke versus Kentucky. To make it even worse, it's Coach K on the rise, winning a title, killing it, becoming one of the best coaches ever. And then Patino on the other side trying to resurrect yeah. this Kentucky team and stealing the best player in the East, uh, Mashburn, right. and taking him down to Kentucky out of New York, which was not happening before. Right. It, it really never happened. The Big East was the thing. Back then, no one from the Northeast left the Northeast. But he did, and he is magnificent in this game. He puts up 28. Um, he does foul out, but it's like within the last two minutes of overtime. Yeah, Jamal Mashburn. On, yeah, yeah, Jamal Mashburn. Yeah. And then the thing that I remember from this game that I think every sports fan should is this is Leitner's perfect game. He never misses a shot. Wow, I didn't know that. He never missed. He doesn't missed. miss. Never Whoa. missed a shot. Didn't wow. miss anything. Duke is favored in this game by Vegas. It's uh, 7.5. And that's my main notes you need to know. Because there is one note I'm going to leave out because I just want to talk about it when it happens in the game, and I'd rather just wait. Fair enough. So here we go. So first, the broadcast opens, and when you get a chance, if you haven't, you should watch the game because they cover basketball differently in 1992. It's a little more dry. It's definitely something that wasn't as emotionally charged as I thought this game would be on my seventh or eighth watch. But let's say this. The commentators do justice in the moments when it matters, and I really think that's all that's needed. But uh, I should say, I I have my really nerdy notes, and I have my quick notes, and I think I'm going to side with my quick notes, and if some nerd comes out, forgive me for that. But the main thing that I wanted to talk about in the first opening minutes, really the first two minutes, is that we see Leitner and why he's the best player in college basketball at that time. He's better than Shaq. He's better than all these guys. Because the college game is perfectly suited for a skinny 235 seven-footer that can dribble. He takes the ball up right. at the beginning of the game. Isn't that weird? And it's incredible. Yeah. It's incredible because I'm so used to seeing like Michael and Pippen being the biggest guys taking the ball up the court. Leitner's taking it up, and he looks like a point forward. Yeah. He is like the classic too early. He would have been perfect in today's basketball. I was just going to ask you that. Would he be great today? And it sounds like he'd fit in perfect with today's game. He, this game, too, I should say this, because this is another note I had. There are two stretch fives on the floor for a majority of the game. Christian Leitner and Martinez for uh, for Kentucky. Right. And Martinez hits a three early, and I'm like, whoa, what? Yeah. This is 1992. We're not talking about stretch fives yet. No. We were maybe talking stretch fours, taking like deep twos. We weren't talking at all about centers doing it. This is a game, and... That really is timeless. It makes sense now. It makes sense then. It would have made sense if somebody got in a time capsule and jumped 20 years ahead. It is perfectly timeless because of the way the defenses operate and the way that the offensive operate. It could fit in either time period. It's incredible. It really is. And it doesn't really get a lot of justice for that, that we forget there's stretch fives out there. Leitner hits a three, and it's – I mean, he's swishing them. He's he's killing it. Martinez knocks a three down, and you think he'd be doing it for 20 years. Like, he looks like a pro. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. But, oh, any questions on that before I jump into the real meat and potatoes of it? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. No, I I don't have any questions. I just just remember 
I just remember Leitner was more of an inside guy, but I guess he did yeah. shoot from the outside. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. He he hits a three in the corner, which is like, wow. whoa, where'd this come from? Yeah. But he had guard skills coming out of high school. Okay. So we see almost every player in this game be fairly accessible to the ball, shooting, and handling it, um, except for a couple like Lang and uh, for Duke, who ends up being an NBA player, and then um, Timberlake on the uh kentucky wildcats who not nba player but comes in at a very famous moment which we'll get to in a little bit okay another thing that happens is during the opening part of the game they're not talking about leitner kentucky's more scared of bobby hurley bobby hurley has just schooled his brother who happened to have just won as the coach of uconn this year against seton hall and wow Bobby Hurley is a quick, small, fast guard, and Kentucky is playing a zone trying to force him to shoot rather than drive because when Bobby Hurley drives, Duke gets really difficult to defend because Leitner can shoot. And he can play inside-outside. So they are trying to force traps onto Bobby Hurley to keep him from driving, and that's their whole first five minutes of this game is is being terrified of Bobby Hurley, which... Wow. reminded me this is the year Leitner goes to the dream team and the only loss the dream team had was to the college team of Weber Hurley and a bunch of other guys as well we'll get to them maybe later in another podcast sure. Bobby Hurley was the fear of the dream team too and it's incredible that he never had this great career but he was too small for the NBA but he's perfect for college basketball right. he was terrifying yes. terrifying and you can tell Patino is a little bit he, – he's built a defense to contain Bobby Hurley. Wow. Which is just bizarre to watch in the moment. Okay. Hmm. Also, during about the – I would say about the 15th minute, they let the audience know as well as the announcers let the audience on TV side know, Leitner's 10 points away from breaking the all-time scoring record. Okay. He's about to beat Elvin Hayes, and he does it in this game, and he does it early. And you know what's weird? They don't stop the game. Really? They just keep yeah, playing? Yeah, <laughs> they kept playing. In fact, they go into a timeout, and no one seems to like say anything to them. Wow. Not a thing. So it's really incredible Dang. that this huge moment in Leitner's career is overshadowed by what's to come. Okay. Um, one, one small nerd note that I think is kind of funny. Yeah. In the broadcast, mm-hmm. they call Coach K Bobby Knight's disciple. Because he oh, learned under him, sure. which I think you would never say now, right? He no. surpassed Bobby Knight in a lot of ways, <laughs> oh, so yeah. that was kind of bizarre. That, but Grant was, Hill, yeah. oh, go ahead. Well, he was so young then too, right? I mean, not yeah. young, but Coach K was just getting started, right? Yeah, I mean, and my proud, ago. my proud Polish heritage just loves that nose, man. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> what a great! He's just so recognizable immediately, yeah. and he's young. And he, one thing that I'll talk about in a little bit, or I can bring it up now, is both Patino and Coach K had such a problem walking and knowing where to walk on this court during the Elite Eight that the officials put duct tape down so they knew where they had to stop You're in kidding. order to prevent a foul. Yeah, you can see it on the broadcast too. It's like this neon green tape, and Patino squats like right over it. It's kind of hilarious because wow. these guys are so pumped. They like Patino is besides himself. He can barely keep it together. Yeah. He reminds me of Lou Carnesecca, just like how he would jitter and shake. Right. He looks like that to me, which wow. is amazing. It, it really only adds to the game. Totally. Um, 
Grant Hill does not start this game. He's a sophomore. He doesn't get to start. For which Duke. For Duke. For Duke, yeah. which he's probably the second most notable yeah. player in this game. It's Leitner and it's Grant Hill. Grant Hill. Um, who has the most successful career out of anybody on this court. Right. And that's not saying a lot. Like, he does have a lot of injuries that derail him. Right. This is a game loaded with NBA players that just never made it. Never made it six, yeah, six players got drafted on the Duke side. Almost all of them, except for Leitner and Grant, had long careers. Wow. Um, and Leitner's not that long either. And then only one got drafted in Kentucky, and that's Jamal Mashburn. And he's... Whoa. He is not held to the standard that we thought he would be. You know, he was seen as this freak athlete, but he does play power forward in this game, and it makes me come up with a lot of what-ifs. If mm-hmm. he played today, he would have been incredible. Right. Okay. All right. Getting back on task, though. Um, I Star is born in the first half and will burn bright throughout this game. It's a name that Kentucky fans will know right away, and that's Sean Woods. Sean Woods is averaging about seven points a game throughout the season. He comes in, I believe he drops 21 in the entire game, as well as the last shot shot of the game before Leitner hits his. And he has some miraculous floaters in this, and he is brave. And watch the first half and just look for Sean Wood uh, on Kentucky. I couldn't take my eyes off of him. It's wow. one of the most who-is-that-dude moments in college yeah. basketball. He rises to the moment, and he, for me, is probably the most important reason why Kentucky stays in this game. I mean, his offensive consistency, the way he orchestrates the ball, he's incredible. He keeps the floor balanced as the point guard. He's he, Really, it's great stuff. Awesome. You should watch this game. Definitely. It's the best game ever played. <laughs> okay. All right. The legend, Jamal Mashburn, New York kid, leaves the East Coast when the Big East was king of all. That's a huge storyline coming into this game. Um, I wanted to mention that if you're watching this game as well, the passing is bizarre to watch. It's one of the only things that's out of place. About around the 10-minute mark of the first half, they start throwing like football passes to try to force feed Leitner down low, and it's just not working. And then Kentucky starts doing it too. There are a ton of turnovers in this game, really? and they're easily able to blow by him. Grant Hill has three. And so wow. when you're going through this game, they're just whipping passes. But then to balance that out, I could watch a mixtape of Bobby Hurley throwing inbound passes and little feeding passes to Leitner all day. Yeah. He's passing around three guys. The skill level in this game is incredible and i i just can't believe how high level the guard play was even though we look at guards as scoring figures now back then they had so much more to do it's incredible to see it and to see it be done at a fast pace because that's what this first half really is and leading into the second it's a really fast game they're scoring four or five times in a minute back and forth between each other and they're speeding up slowing down because again Kentucky wants Duke to play into these traps. They want them to to not be able to pass the ball to Leitner and allow the bigs to stay on the floor. They're trying to tire them out, and they're trying to force guards' hands. And so the pace is insane. And when you're watching it, you can't believe you're watching a game from 1992. Wow. It's so quick. And, of course, there is the Patino press, only to add more to it. Right. Uh, Lang has an incredible dunk at one point and a great up-and-under pass. It's pretty cool. cool. All right. Um, 
I'm moving forwards. Forgive me as I go through my notes. So one of the things that Duke does in order to stop the speed of the game is they substitute this very tall white man in named Cherokee Parks. Oh, I remember him. Who, yes, yeah. Cherokee Parks yeah. comes in and just clogs the lane. And this really throws Kentucky off, so they mirror it, and they start clogging the lane on the other side. Ah. Whether planned or not, yeah. doesn't matter. Because the big thing coming in the middle of the first half is Kentucky is outsized, and it's not even close. Okay. But the, Lang is dominating the boards. Leitner is huge, as well as Cherokee Parks. And they only really have Martinez to rebound on Kentucky. And Martinez is a modern-day Colonel Anthony Towns. He can't keep his hands to himself, and he always seems to be in foul trouble. He has three quick fouls in the first half. Okay. It is not going their way. And so thus begins Patino saying, well, we'll play small ball. Okay. Almost 15 years before the Boston Celtics officially really try it. Okay. And it is incredible. And then the speed picks up again. So Duke has to match it by playing small ball their own with Christian Leitner. And when okay. you notice it, you can't unsee it. Okay. And this is just another reason for guys my age, at least, to look back at this game and go, whoa, what is going on here? Right. Because the offense and how they're scheming this might be of the 90s, but the personnel they're playing is of 2020. It's incredible. So um, Duke wants to play slow. They want to play big big guys. Kentucky wants to play small ball and, and fast, right? That's really kind yes. of that's the strength of each team. Yes. Okay, got it, got it. Okay. And then they end up actually mirroring each other. Eventually, Duke plays a zone defense and presses them. And so they realize they're equal matches of each other. And this is the story man in me of just loving to tell it like it's a storybook. Once they start realizing they're just going to go score for score for score, defensive stop for defensive stop, they just decide we're both going to play fast because neither of us is dealing with it very well. And the turnovers are plenty in this game. Okay. There's a lot of poked passes. There's a lot of Grant Hill jumping in front of the ball, using small ball to put smaller guys on big guys so they can cut off the bounce passes inside to the paint everywhere. It, you could say it's sloppy or you could say it's great defense. Either way, it was good TV. Right, right. Um, finally, let's get into the final couple minutes of the half because I have a ton of notes, let's say, on the first half because it does tell me a lot about where the game's going. Right. But there are four things that I want to talk about in the final four minutes. One is the refs don't call a possible backcourt violation. So as the ball's being on Duke. Okay. So as the ball's being brought up, I can't remember which player was. I believe it's Leitner, but there could have been two opportunities to call the same call on the same play because they get it trapped, Kentucky does, at the half court line. And so a jump pass is made towards Leitner, who also leaps into the air to grab it and falls down, passing it again. Both guys that pass the ball appeared to hit the midcourt line, and the refs swallow the whistle. Oh, really? Okay. They don't say anything. Wow. Which infuriates the Kentucky crowd. Sure. So another thing out of this, a little side piece, is the game is only an hour 39. There is no video replay. So the missed call is the missed call. They can't go back and look at it, oh, even if right. they wanted to. Right, because the technology wasn't there. It was Exactly, yeah. which okay. threw me off in the moment. I'm not going to lie. I was like, review it. Review it. What are you doing? <laughs> What's going on here? But ultimately, they couldn't. Yeah. They can't go back. Right. They have to go with it. 
So a huge call and a turnover at the rise of a Kentucky offensive surge goes towards Duke, which actually offsets the, the surge and brings them back to even at four minutes at the last birth of the half. Okay. Sean Woods to Mashburn in the closing four minutes. These two just can't be stopped. The passing, the footwork, Woods passes the ball. I believe it's off a bounce pass to a pivoting, turning, spinning 360 Mark Mashburn who lays it up and in and shows his, he's the best athlete out there. Just pure athlete genetically. There's nobody quite like him. And this is with a Grant Hill out there. Okay. Like he is the man right. in this moment. Sure. All right. Grant Hill turns the ball over. He not only does it, he trips. He turns the ball over and he fouls the man that grabs the ball <laughs> oh, while he's on the ground. Hill gets yanked. Oh, um, but this goes to show this first half is intense. It's chippy. And there's clearly something coming in the second half. These teams are starting to build animosity because the fouls and the trips and the bumps are getting harder. This play tells me that going into the second half, we might see more. All right, the final minute, Kentucky is getting all the calls. And it's noticeable. They get a couple in a row. Leitner has a dumb reaching foul. Commentators like it because... He, or I should say this, I should back up because I'm reading my chicken scratch as I go because you can tell I'm excited about this right. game. Yeah. But Leitner fouls. Um, he, he fouls Timberlake, who is subbed into the game. I believe he only plays four minutes in this game. But Timberlake isn't a great shooter. And in the final minute of the game, he just fouls him and puts him at the line. Mm. Excuse me. And the commentators loved this because – you're taking a low percentage shooter and putting him at the line. And my modern day basketball brain, if I can say this, is just screaming at the TV. Like, why? Why would you do this? Why because the knowing what. Yes, because he's standing at the edge of the three point line and Leitner just slaps him. Okay. And knowing where this game is going to go, Leitner gets four fouls on this game. And you only got five before you're out. Right. So why are you giving up a foul? when we still have another half to play and Leitner, I believe at this point has two. Okay. So my, my mind is like, you're just giving up a free foul to them off on your best player. Who's only two away from being done for the night. And you need him. It's just, again, a bizarre place to talk about basketball and how we play it versus 1992 versus today. Don't give up free fouls. Right. You need your players in the game. Even if it's a low percentage shooter, you can make a defensive stop. They still had time left in that half. Okay. But so, so again, the commentators liked it because he fouled a low percentage shooter. You don't like yes. it because don't foul them in the first place, right? Yeah, you're putting your best player At in risk. foul trouble. Right. Right. Yeah, for one possession. So to look, get one possession back. So Leitner had three going into the half. Three fouls. If if I remember correctly, yeah, and he almost. He almost gets out of this game. I believe he ends with four. Okay. So wow. it's a it's a thing that they can do now is, hey, Leitner's got three fouls. Drive at him. Like, let's try to foul him out. Right. Because now your best player is gone. And they don't have much size of talent after Leitner's gone. He yeah. really is their offense and the weird stuff that he can do both at the center and power forward position. So now you've given Kentucky a clear line of sight to say, Leitner could be in foul trouble in this next half. Let's just attack him and see what we can do for the first five minutes. If he gets that fourth foul, well, that's our offense right there. Let's go at him. He can't can't go up with us. Otherwise, he's done. So that's where my mind went is 
you're giving Kentucky the playbook of how to attack you right. by just giving away a free foul just so you can watch a guy shoot two free throws and you can get the ball back for the last 12 seconds. Yeah. Like, in the grand scheme of things, this is a marathon, not a race. But Duke plays this game aggressively. Kentucky plays this game aggressively. The play doesn't feel out of place. It just looks weird from a modern-day perspective. And that's why I wanted to talk about it. It's it's the last play of note before the half closes and the second half begins. Um, but anything there that you find of interest or note before we jump to the second half? Just the whole um, fouling of players and, and deliberate fouls. You know, I always think that's something you do at the very end of the game, but not the end of the half. So for Leitner, yeah. for Leitner to basically foul on purpose so they can get the ball back, that's that's not a good look. That's not a good look. Yeah, so. and again, greatest basketball game of all time because we get <laughs> this weird moments. We get some weird stuff in here. Yeah. Um, but probably, you know, the this does go into OT, but the second half, I, I was telling Greg before we started this podcast that this was – the tougher part for me to watch because it is so smooth back and forth, back and forth. You almost lose track of where you are. So I'll try to make this quick so we can jump into the real meat and potatoes of this whole thing. Um, So with that, I'm just going to go to some of my favorite moments. One, they open the half with some color commentary to get you back in. And they do an interview with Brian Davis, who is a guard on Duke and they call him a defensive specialist. And uh, Brian Davis's quote in return is defensive specialist. I just prefer being called a player that can play defense. <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> Which that's I thought was funny. That's funny. Defensive specialist he took as an offense because it meant he, he couldn't play he couldn't offense. He couldn't play offense, right, right. Yeah. So I, I just love that love quote. That. And Brian Davis does have a nice start to the half. Um, they come into the second half with even higher energy than before. You barely can notice on the recording that I have, at least, because I don't have the halftime show, anything. Right. It's just they cut, they walk off the court, they come back, they're running. Okay. You can barely tell the second half and the first half apart. It's mere image, which is weird. Usually, you'd see some sort of adjustment or something like testing, like, hey, let's try this spread offense. Right. Let's see if we can try this zone. They don't. They do the same thing. Wow. They're, they're pestering Duke. They're trapping them. Um, they're trapping the guards, and then they're face guarding Leitner. That's the only big change is they're stepping in front and they're putting smaller guys because they're outsized. They're putting guys in front of Leitner and in front of Cherokee Parks to make sure that they can't get the ball inside because eventually what happens next, uh, Gimmo Martinez gets his fourth foul and goes out and even- eventually fouls out of this game early, and they lose their starting stretch five. Okay. Um, Jamal Mashburn's energy is insane. He finishes the game with 28. He shoots 11 from 16 from the field. He is a star in this game, and you can tell the second half is Jamal Mashburn's half. It's okay. incredible. Okay. If you want some good Jamal Mashburn, watch it. He's twisting. He's moving. He's playing the power forward position. He's out of position. He really should be playing like a guard. And his jump shot's kind of wonky, but, God, it's memorable. It's okay. incredible. Um, around 12 minutes, you can't actually hear – a lot of the broadcast because the crowd gets so loud. The crowd gets really wow. rocking and rolling around the 12th minute. Um, my audio actually cut out from the recording. Okay. It's just a bad recording. There's clearly a better version of it, but it really was like, even in the bad, like the crackling of the voices and everything, you could just hear the pounding and the wow. just the overall yelling in this auditorium. Um, 
Leitner starts going not long after 12 minutes. He does some simple turnaround dump hook shot in. Yep. He still hasn't missed this entire game. Wow. My audio came back at the 10th minute. Uh, Brian Davis loses a contact. So this is my nomination for se- probably it's this and another one coming up, which I'm embarrassed by the okay. second one. Okay. But this is my f- unintentional comedy moments of this entire game. Brian Davis loses a contact. And for the next two minutes, the five-man lineup is in the paint, crawling around on their bellies trying, trying to find, to the, find contact. the contact. Wow, I didn't know that. They... Yeah, so the longest stoppage of time, besides commercials, is a contact problem. Wow. And it goes on for about an, a minute 40. Did they find it? And there's, they did not. Okay. Uh, Brian Davis and I believe Bobby Hurley were crawling around on their bellies looking for it. And then the other two guys were like just looking, sifting, sorting. And it is funny to wow. look at. It's hilarious. Never knew and that. And then the, train, the trainer comes over, gives Brian a new contact, and they sit him down. And they end up subbing in, I believe it was Grant Hill, comes back off the bench. I can't remember exactly. But, yeah, it's a weird stoppage. And it's at a point in the game where momentum is at its highest, and he loses his contact because he makes connection with an elbow. Got it. And they're starting to get chippy, and it's another reason to bring up this game. Okay. All right. Moving forward, as we get under 10 minutes, Sean Woods comes up again in an incredible up and under leaping shot so he comes up and then he twists under and pushes it wow. so almost like a double scooped shot and he pushes it right into the basket amongst the trees he is not a big dude he's incredible this is when Leitner comes back the other way hits the only three for him his this game but again it's bizarre to see a seven footer hitting a three yeah, in 1992 I bet. I bet. Sean Woods comes back again and drills another crazy shot over Leitner so now we have back and forth beginning again. All of this in a couple of seconds. It's literally within 33 Whoa. seconds, I believe, I timed this. I mean, the pace is just racking up. The crowd is getting more fired up and more fired up by each shot. Martinez and all this uh, energy fouls out of the game, and it's a dumb foul. Patino is pissed, okay. and it's incredible to watch. Um, pace continues to pick up. Scoring goes. They jump from the second half from about 52 to 100 or to 92, so they rack up almost 60 points Whoa. in just the matter of a couple of minutes, or excuse me, in a, in a half, 40 to 60 points, uh, depending on my math and where I remember things leaving off. I remember it was a low-scoring first half, right. but still incredible. Um, around 8:08 comes probably the most important moment of the game. I remember this. I remember seeing <laughs> this. But go ahead, yeah. Yeah, so as contact is happening underneath the basket, Timberlake gets tied up as he goes to score against Leitner. Um, or it's Leitner is fouled on a play as he shoots over Timberlake. Right. Timberlake falls to the ground, kind of grabbing and pulling Leitner along with him, but Leitner doesn't fall. Instead, he ends up about parallel his feet are parallel to timberleg's chest and he just stomps on him puts Whoa. one foot right on his chest in front of the in front of god and everybody wow and, and right then and there commentators say that is a flagrant call and that is that is intentional he intended to do that and it was nasty and did they call and him they, on it no whoa they call they call a flagrant on Kentucky. What? 
For pulling him so, down or trying to pull him down? Yes, for wow. a dangerous play around the basket. So oh my gosh. Kentucky's enraged, and the next minute is some of the weirdest TV because Leitner shoots first. Oh. Leitner, who has just stomped on Timberlake, yeah. goes to the line alone, and the whole auditorium boos him. Whole thing, <laughs> except for like some Duke, but we don't care about right, that. Right, right. The whole auditorium's there booing him, and he shoots two three throws, and he goes away, and then Kentucky goes to the other side and shoots, knocks down two free throws, or hits one of two. Okay. They go away, and that moment ends, wow. and Kentucky is like he probably should be kicked out of this game. Yeah, no kidding. He just stomped on a player. In front of God and everyone, wow. and the refs didn't call it. Man, and the commentators are like, "He intended this." Oh yeah, that is low down. It's dirty. It's not okay. That's not a basketball play. Fans are now begging to get him kicked out. The refs don't do anything. Man, so in the greatest game of all time, you need a little controversy, and this certainly is some. And it's why we hate Christian Leitner. <laughs> all right. Okay. That's great. The, That's perfect. They continue, they continue to call it Leitner's stunt for the next two minutes because, you know, I had a timer in my hand. Yep. The thing that amazes me at this point of the game is in the last eight minutes, Duke is not rattled by that play, nor is Kentucky. Wow. Usually in a physical altercation like that, somebody's losing it. Right. Somebody's going to blow a gasket. Yep. Neither do. It's the only game I know of where this doesn't happen. Whoa. The pace explodes again. They score in droves. It's incredible. The defense is good. Duke tries a couple different sets of zone defense to man, to a 2-3, to a 3-2. Kentucky does the same thing. They go back to zone. They try man. They do some switches. Whatever they throw at each other, these teams are at their apex on both sides of the ball. And the offense is just a little bit better. Wow. Um, Duke ties or game ties at uh, tightens up at ninety one eighty nine. This is one of the highest scoring games in college basketball history in regular time. Wow, um, that's a lot of points so, for a regular, yeah. for college. That's a lot, and it is. And most of this is scored in the second half. Game gets tied ninety one ninety one, and at this point. I can my TV is like starting to crackle, and I realize that's the audio equipment from the game. Oh man! Trying just listening there. Wow! Final minute of regulation. Uh, Hill has an insane dunk. Place blows up. Okay. Big uh, Kansas City or Kansas City, big uh, Kentucky rebound and a putback. Final. That's it. We're tied. We're tied at 91. Tied at the end of regulation. Going yeah, overtime. or excuse me, tied at, I believe, 93, 93 each. Okay. So now they blow through the end of that game. They're not like, this is an incredible game. Like, everyone is just, like, on the edge of their seat. Like, what can happen next? They're not really taking into consideration the weight of this game and the scale of this game and how incredible both sides of the ball uh, these teams have played on both sides of the ball. Not only to mention the landmark moment that Leitner becomes the all-time college scoring leader during this game. Right. And Coach K is about to possibly lose back-to-back titles and be one of the only coaches in history to do that right. in terms of he wants to enter the Pantheon in this game, and he might not. 
Kentucky has this kind of great little team, the team that could, yeah. and they're competing. They're still a second seed, but yeah. Duke's favored. Right. And it, they are the favorite. They're blowing teams apart by this point. Okay. So now we go to overtime, and this is where the game really becomes a legendary game. If you didn't think it wasn't there already. Duke is very confident about getting the ball into the paint. Um, the first minute of this, I would say the first 45 seconds to a minute, Duke almost perfectly enter, gets the ball into the paint every single time down the court, highlighted by Grant Hill misses a bunny in the paint, mm. which allows for Kentucky to explode out and hit a big three on the other end. And I mean, it's a dagger. Wow. Like any other time you'd see this three, like it should have been demoralizing. But that being said, uh, they come back. Offensive foul is on Duke. So again, another thing plays into the hand of Kentucky. And people are like, oh my God, we're going to be Kentucky. Right. Or we're going to be Duke. We're going to be Duke. Yeah. It certainly doesn't help that their jerseys look alike in this game too. <laughs> right. They're basically inverse. Yeah. So now I'm flipping the names back and Blue forth. And white. Yep. All right. But right when you think Kentucky's about to pull away, Duke hits a huge three to get right back into it. I mean, a clutch three. Wow. Um, Kentucky, pump fake, easy basket in the paint. Again, both of these teams, masters of getting the ball inside, outside, wherever they need to get it. There's constant motion on the offense. Leitner is fouled and shoots. Jamal Mashburn's the man that fouls him for his fourth. fourth okay. So it's a moment. And coach is like, we're keeping him in. We're not going to pull Mashburn. Accidental comedy moment. Ben might be a terrible person uh, for looking at this game. Oh, they show Leitner's mom. And Leitner's mom has a broken neck at the time. And she's wearing a full cast. And she looks miserable oh. at the game. <laughs> oh, she man. looks absolutely miserable. Oh. And it's clear that the parents are like holding hands. They're trying to be together. And she must just be really into the game. But... When I when they turned to her, it was unexpected. There was no warning, and they're like, "There's Leitner's mother," and she's just in the full neck brace, oh. looking a little ET-ish. Oh. It was I I laughed out loud. I don't mean to forgive me, yeah. but that's coming. If you watch the game, you'll see his mom, and you'll see the kind of cool thing going on at the parents' side of the court. Um, tie ball game after Leitner hits two free throws on the Mashburn foul. Uh, Kansas or oh my gosh, I keep saying Kansas because I have KU in my notes and that's terrible. Mm -hmm. um, Kentucky goes back and there is a miss by Woods on a mid-range floater. Duke comes back, takes a timeout, and they take a long possession. They're trying to kind of slow it down and get back to their game right. and take seconds off the clock. Leitner hits a crazy shot. It's a like a spinning, twisting turnaround pivot, one foot up in the air. Duke kind of a or Dirk kind of a shot. Yep. Then. Mashburn fouls. Uh, Mashburn is fouled and scores. He hits uh, the extra one, the and one. Yep. Uh, so now it's 101 to 100. Kentucky by one. They're up by one point. And how much point. time left at this point? S 17 seconds. Okay. Okay. All right. At 17 seconds, Leitner is fouled by Mashburn again. Mashburn has his fifth foul. He's, He's done. Out. He goes to the bench. Whoa. Leitner hits his uh, free throws. 13.3 seconds and it's it's Kentucky ball. Yep. They come down the court, they fly down the court, they advance it and by 7.8 seconds left on the clock, Woods hits or Wood hits a miracle shot where he's falling to his right 
and extends the ball with his right hand, pushing it into a floater, and it's flat. Wow. It should have hit the back iron and gone out, but he sinks it. Whoa. It's incredible, and he hits it over the bigs too, and leaving only 2.1 seconds left on the clock. And Kentucky's ahead at this point. Kentucky is ahead. They just got ahead by one. Okay, okay. And so Kentucky fans around the world are like, oh, my God, we're going to beat Duke. So We're going to beat Duke. So now Duke has we're the ball. Now, do they get the ball at the baseline or half court? Baseline. baseline. They're all the way so they underneath have, Kentucky's basket. They have to go all the way down in 2.1 seconds, okay? Yeah, they got to go 94 feet. Okay. So a, a timeout gets called. And this is maybe my favorite moment of the game because I, I did some research on what was said in the huddle. 2.1 seconds, timeout is called. Coach K comes up to Grant Hill. Grant, can you make this pass? And he draws it on the whiteboard to where Leitner is going to be, mm-hmm. which is at the Iron Cross on the free throw line. And tell me where the Iron Cross is. like. So the Iron Cross is where... The free throw line, so if you picture the free throw line, yep. it's where the line diagonal that blocks out the paint is. Oh, okay. So where sure. the paint runs up and curves around, yep. it's that cross section. It's kind of those the three corners there. Yep, got it. Um, that's where Leitner's going to be. Okay. And Grant Hill goes, yeah, I can make the pass. And then he goes to Leitner and he says, can you make that shot? And Leitner simply says, well, if he makes a great pass, and he's, I can catch it, basically. Okay, fair enough. And that's all that's really said. Wow. Um, they break the huddle. Grant goes to his position. And Kentucky decides to put all of their men down the court I was gonna, to run interference. So let me ask you that. Why wouldn't they put, why wouldn't they, I mean, obviously now they would put a man on Grant, but why didn't they then? Just more bodies down on the other yeah. end of the court? They had to assume it was going to be a Hail Mary, and if we have one man extra, that's an advantage. Yeah, fair enough, yeah. So, so I, I think they were kind of damned if they do, damned if they don't. Right. But what it does allow is for two critical things to happen. Grant has a free line of sight on his target, and Leitner is able to face. He puts his defender directly behind him, and at 6'11", he goes up and he can just snatch the ball out of the air. Okay. Who is defending him? Do we know? I can't remember. I should have written that down. Okay. Um, but moment starts. Yep. Grant heaves the ball. Leitner, two-footed, jumps up over two guys. The first guy fades away. Leitner correctly decides, I have time. I can hit the, I can turn around and use two, two seconds is a long time for me. Comes down with the ball. Does not immediately go up again. So he's still facing the, the wrong way, right? Yes, okay. he's facing the wrong way. Okay. He lands. He pivots. He fakes one way, pretends like he's going to go up and fake to the left. Leaps slightly to the right. Fires, swish, 0-0, zero, zero, time left on the clock, wow. and Duke steals the game. Bench clears. No fans run on the court, which I was surprised by. Wow. But the moment is perfectly captured by one of the Duke guards. I believe it was Brian. It was, um, oh shoot, it was number 12. I have the roster right here, Davis. if you can wait on with me. 
It might have been Davis there. But uh, he goes over, and he is just in tears. It was Thomas Hill. Oh, okay. Thomas Hill is walking towards the scoring table, and just you can read his mouth. He's going, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And there are full, like, crocodile tears coming down a grown man's face. (laughs) From the intensity, the emotion, and everything that's happening— and we get the the picture of Leitner with his arms up, running back down the court to go that. hug yep. Grant Hill, and they leap together, they embrace, and the team embraces there, and it is the, dubbed the shot. Man. There is no shot uh. like it in college basketball. There may never be a shot quite like it ever again. Um, wow! And Patino did he, just walks off the court. Did he ever recover from that? I mean. I mean, Patino <laughs> Patino does go on to win a title yeah. with Louisville. Right, right. And yeah. Kentucky does get their program to grow, which I'm kind of glad you brought this up because the outcome of this is Kentucky does pretty well, yeah. even though they do have a real gripe of Leitner probably never should have been in this game to begin with. He right. never should have been in that position. And yet, not only does he hit that shot, but he's perfect from the field. He is the most effective player they could have had out wow. there. And he probably should have gotten kicked out. Yeah. And now the Kansas or the Kentucky team walks out. Patino walks out. Duke is celebrating. And they cut the broadcast. They don't let you see what happens right after. No kidding. And so this private moment is just gone. And it kind of was awesome to watch it in the moment because you're like, I just experienced this. And now you realize this was basketball at its purest. This was the emotion. It was a chippy game. They were rough. They were tumble. And the emotion that they probably had to pour out of themselves, you can only imagine only adding to the lore of this game, which I think is one of the coolest parts of this by far. And I still can't get over the ending, even all the times that I've watched it. This was the first time that I watched it with a severely critical eye. Yeah. And I noticed certain qualities to the game that told a little more of the story than you realize. Like, Leitner is getting... he He's getting bumped around, and you can tell he's getting pissed. He is. And so, by the end, that stomp is like, something was going to happen, yeah. and why... Of course it was going to be Leitner. Right. Of course it was going to be Leitner. <laughs> so... That's great. And then the Bobby Hurley piece yeah. really threw me off. Like, just how dominant the guards were in this game. Between Wood and Hurley, both of them were awesome. Wow. Uh, but that is the game as I was able to record it. So is there anything that jumps out to you that you want to talk about right away? Because I think we'll lead into this of now looking back on it. What does it mean to us today? Yeah, so this is one of those games where, I mean, it's been 30 years and we still talk about it, right? Um, yeah. But I also want to ask you, did did Duke then go on to win the NCAA championship? They did. They did. They go. They did. So this is on their repeat opportunity. Right. So they won the year before. Um, so they go on to play against, I have it in, right here. Indiana. So, no, they go on to play, or yes, you're right, sorry. They play against Indiana, which I would like to see that game. Because Bobby Knight and Indiana, the round before, scored 106 points on UCLA, the number one seed. Whoa. They... They beat them 79 to 106. Wow. Okay. It's a hell of a team. Yeah. Duke comes in, beats Indiana, 
advances and beats Michigan, seventy-one to fifty-one. No kidding. So, they beat them by twenty. Whoa. Yeah, they smoke every team in this tournament. If you want to hear just a few, yeah. uh, I have in the second round against Iowa, it's seventy-five sixty-two. In the first round, it's eighty-two fifty-six against Campbell. Third round, Duke versus Seton Hall. That's Hurley versus Hurley. Yeah. It's 81 to 69. And then this is the only tight game they play. Yeah. And that ends in 104 103. Wow. So they are the favorite. Yeah. Now, was the crowd really a Kentucky crowd or was it split? Because this is the I, East Regional. Yeah. So this is in Duke's, you know, basically in Duke's backyard, right? Yeah. Well, and I should say this. I, I wish I had the location of the game pulled up right now. I don't have it in front of me at the moment. But they will go on to play in Minneapolis. Right. So the Duke fans were traveling. When I watch the broadcast, though, it seems like a split crowd. Okay. They, they do show a lot of Duke and a lot of Kentucky. But the thing is, the teams are so blurred because their colors are identical. Right. When they do the general crowd shots, it's tough to tell. Right. You really can't tell from the TV. But when you zoom in on the student section, there's the classic white and blue striped shirts right. that the Duke fans wear. And then the Kentucky uh, folks have pom-poms, and they got the big old K on their chest. Yeah. Yeah. So you can, after a while, get a feel for it. But there certainly is the makeup of it being a classic March Madness game where the cl- crowd split. There's some spectators there that are just in awe of what they're seeing. <laughs> and... We really didn't know what to make of it, yeah, you know. That's that's great. I mean, I love I love hearing about this game. I I do remember watching it. I remember that shot. Yeah. I remember how yeah. pissed I was because Duke won. <laughs> I didn't. Well, and out of all of this, I think it's great that you say that too because documentaries are made. I mean, that video has been re-shown on TV I don't know how many yeah. times of Leitner hitting the turnaround. Yes, yes. Uh, a great documentary called I Hate Christian Leitner <laughs> came out and talks about this game. <laughs> and I think in a lot of ways, this immortalized Christian oh, Leitner. no question. No question. This is, yeah. this is the game yeah. that makes you go, that guy, <laughs> that guy, that guy I just can't stand. Yeah, yeah. He was so easy um, to hate. He's just he just had that look about him, and it's just like, man, I yeah. hate that guy. But he killed us. And, <laughs> yeah, and he's so fluid. Yeah. He can dribble. He can shoot. He can pass. He did it all, and so hateable yep. all at the same time. It's so easy to appreciate and hate him. Yep. And looking back at that game now, it, it does strike me that the most successful player out of all of them was Grant Hill, and he probably plays one of the worst games wow. out of all the out of those seven guys, NBA team players there. Right. Um, but really just a, a, a team frozen in time. They were so incredible in college. Yeah. And unfortunately, the roads that led them away never really outgrew this moment. This really was the pinnacle of many of their careers, yeah. which kind of makes it even more special. Let me ask you a question. Of all the players that played in this game or that were on the teams, which one would be the have the best chance of success in the NBA today based Ooh. on how they play. I mean, that's really hard for me because Leitner is like the one elephant in the room. Mm-hmm. But if I could, if I could have Grant Hill today too. Okay. Not Hurley. With the, with the health we have. Yeah. I mean, he was, 
he was the next Jordan, yeah. you know, with everything that we were seeing. He had the hezy cross, what I used to do in basketball, where you just stick your front left leg out just a bit, and you just dip the ball, real slow crossover almost, almost like you're hesitating, and then you explode the other way on a crossover. He was so athletic, like, no one no one really knew what to do with him and he was tall too you know he's this big bodied when lebron came into the league they compared him to grant hill like that's where he was at he was a six eight forward and just an incredible score incredible facilitator he was a point guard basically if you had a grant hill today you're you're sitting pretty good but that being said i do think leitner and him it's those two the rest of the team like maybe mashburn okay but Mashburn wasn't as strong of a shooter. Bobby Hurley was really good, but he was good on penetrating and passing. I don't know if his shooting would have made him an excellent player today. But that being said, if he grew up today, he's he was quick enough, smart enough. He had all the traits that you needed uh, to be a dominant guard. But I wanted to find his height, too, because he looks small he, in the moment. He does, yes. He, he's six feet tall, even. Okay. okay. Um, and he's a junior in this game. And I guess because we're on Bobby Hurley, too, I should say this. like, If we can say I hate Christian Leitner, Bobby Hurley certainly does. Um, he <laughs> really? Was, he was actively bullied by Christian Leitner um, during me. the time there. <laughs> yeah, because he was a year younger than Leitner. Wow. And he's the point guard. So he, he rode Bobby really hard wow. because his game depended on a great point guard. It did. And Bobby needed him. And eventually I think they had a mutual understanding and respect. But there certainly is moments, not just in this game, but in previous games, if you go back kind of through their timeline, where Bobby's annoyed yeah. and Leitner's annoyed with him too. Yeah. And there was there could have been trouble in paradise. It's kind of amazing that this worked, period, that these two were able to survive together because eventually Bobby did toughen up. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, there's a lot of other ways this could have gone. It's amazing this team made it to the finish line. Yeah. One last question. Of all the championships Duke has won, is this their best one this year? Mm. God, that's a good question. Because it kind of, I gotta think. I don't want to say it put them on the map because they were there the year before. They they won the year before. Yeah. But you always think about 1992 Duke. I don't know why. It just maybe it's this game. Yeah. It's just like that team was so stacked, so good. I think this is, for the time it was assembled, this is the best team they've ever had. You know, and we've seen some pretty talented teams. Like that Zion team was really good. Um, The Jalil Okafor team that beat Wisconsin was really good with Tyus Jones. There were some good guys there. They won a title. But I think this team, pound for pound, they had the best player in college basketball in Leitner. They had won a title. Coach K was a mastermind of the offense and defense. He's a master recruiter, too. They had Grant Hill, who was the best prospect coming out of college besides Shaq. Um, Everything you could have needed was there. And then they had maybe the best point guard in basketball. They had a great second power forward in Lang. You just had everything they needed to play that style of basketball back then in 92. And they could play small ball, which they never anticipated to play. So I, I do think that this is the team. I think this is the signature Duke team. And it certainly seems like the, the game where Coach K is having the most fun with his lineups. Yeah. Um, my favorite Coach K quote about a player is actually about Leitner. 
It sounds kind of dumb when you first hear it, but it makes sense after you stew on it for a while. And that is, Leitner's like a fire. He can either heat the building or burn it down. <laughs> so true. <laughs> that's perfect. And, uh, yeah, yeah, and that's that's really what stands out to me about this team is the cohesion between body and mind that Coach K reached with all of these guys. All of them are just so intelligent about the way that they play the game. Yeah. And this is really the last time he has a team like this because the next title he wins – if I remember right, he's using one-and-done players, and he has to change his way. So I I think that, yeah, this is one of the best teams I've ever seen him coach. I think it's perhaps maybe the best team he's ever coached, and I think it's the signature Duke team too. Perfect. I love it. Well, thanks for going through this. This, I'm going to go back and watch this again because I remember watching it, (laughs) and it was a great game. I still remember it. So. Yeah, yeah, do yourself a favor. Don't look at my notes because they're <laughs> insane. I look like a madman. But uh, thank God for this podcast and be able to kind of vent it out because there's a lot of really cool things that happen in this game that I didn't even get to hit on. Right. We hit some of the cool moments that I really liked and some of the nerdy moments I also liked. But this game, from start to end, an hour 39, it's clean, it's quick, wow. it's done. And it's fast. Whoa. Yeah, man. it's over before you know it. Wow. It has so many hidden gems and moments for basketball nerds and just casual watchers alike. There's a very good reason it's considered the greatest game ever played. When you watch it, you might not even realize it until it's over, the ride you're on. And I think that's what truly makes this game special is you are so caught up in the moment that happened almost 30 years ago, you forget how high the quality is. It's not moment to moment. It's the whole game. And that's what makes this game so special to me. is isn't just everything we talked about it's i couldn't be pulled out of it and this is the seventh eighth time i've watched it you can't pull me out of it no moment alone can quite pull me out of it and that is just insane that's great love it awesome well any parting thoughts before we head out no i think that's it Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. If you want to get in contact with the show or listen to past podcasts, visit our website at that'sadumrule.com. Otherwise, tune in next time for another Dumb Rule.